This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. We are back. Seattle Sports at Night. We missed you guys. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has been a while. Curtis was sick last week. Uh, Curtis Rogers, normally one of the trio of folks hosting Seattle Sports at Night, along with myself, Seahawks insider Stacey Rost, and the quarterback, Jake Heaps. You've got Jake and I tonight. We were hosting uh, Brock and Salk last week. Jake was on both days, Thursday and Friday, filling in for Brock, who was on a fishing trip. Yep. Yeah, he's catching uh, 70-pound fish. It seemed pretty extreme out there, which is pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, it's been a while since we've been with our night crew, so it's good to be back on and uh, hopefully we can have a little bit more uh, consistency as we move forward. But yeah, we've we've missed you guys. We've seen the tweets, you know, wondering where we are, and we're we're here. We're here. We're here. We're here. You can keep the text line alive. The Coors Light text line seven ten seven ten. Let us know how you're feeling. We'll be checking it out during the show. Until then, let's get into today's timeline. All right, Mariners trade season. It's here, Jake. Seattle traded first baseman Jay Bruce to the Phillies Sunday in exchange for 23-year-old infield prospect Jake Schneider. Seattle also agreed to pay the Phillies just over $18.5 million next January, which offsets most of the $21.3 million remaining on Bruce's contract. Bruce was informed of the trade prior to Sunday's game against the Angels and spoke with reporters afterward. In the meantime, the Mariners have recalled Braden Bishop to take Bruce's place on the active roster. This is an interesting one. Uh, obviously, we knew that Jay Bruce's future here in Seattle was not going to be long. And, and for a long time, the, it looked like because of the way Jay Bruce was playing, that he was more likely to get cut than traded. And the fact that yeah. the Mariners were able to get something in return for Jay Bruce is a great thing. Now, Jake Schneider is not a big-time uh, big minor league prospect, but a good prospect who plays infield, and we'll see what he can develop into over time. But I think the, the good thing in all of this that you can read into is that the Mariners are committed to this rebuild, that they are willing essentially to eat the money of Jay Bruce to deal him, uh, and they are willing to do whatever it takes to commit to this rebuilding process uh, process and to get as many young, talented players as possible yep. in their minor league system. So that's the main takeaway that I had from this. And we'll get into that in our next segment, not only breaking down the Jay Bruce trade, kind of what it meant for the season, but taking a look at the Mariners season as a whole. We've got some hot takes on 710sports.com. If you haven't read Jim Moore's article, Jake, I'm going to tell you about it. It is spicy. (laughs) Until then, the Seahawks open up OTAs tomorrow. Both Jake and I will be there as rest is a few more folks on the 710 staff. The team will be practicing today. That's closed, obviously. Reporters will get our third look at the group beginning at 1130 a.m. Tuesday, which is the first of two open OTA practices this week, the second beginning Thursday, June 6th. Let's go. Let's go. Yes. Come on, Stacey. We get two OTA practices open. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been limited to just one, and then afterwards, after Afterwards, I get the shakes. I want more. Now we get to have two. So that's that's exciting. And, and we'll get to have more and more as we get closer to the end of OTAs and as we get to mandatory minicamp. Uh, it, it's been interesting to kind of track the progress of this young group. Uh, you've got the mainstays of Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, uh, Bradley McDougald uh, in the veteran offensive line. But everybody else after that, it's, it, it's all a new lot information. Of, it's, I mean, correct. there's it's, so much to take in. There is a lot of question marks and, and it's all about development. So at this point 
uh, of this offseason is very important for these guys to, to work out the kinks, to learn and grow together as they get prepared for training camp coming up at the end of July. Jake, what I want to know, have you taken a look at the weather? Uh, to, for this week? Yes. Um, no, I have not. I'm not excited. Really? Here, I'll tell you why, why. why. So we're both kind of disadvantaged, Is and I'll tell rainy? you how. It's it. There's lightning and potentially rain on Thursday when we're out there. I, see, I'm guessing that we're going to be inside. Probably. If we're outside, I'm going to be upset because, A, my hair is going to be ruined. <laughs> B, though, the on the flip side, as a very short person, I am the least likely to be struck by lightning in my mind, well, right? I mean, you and you're got, in danger. I'm going to stand next to you, you and that, hope that... <laughs> you've got that going for you. you now, know? the question I have for you on Thursday, as you took a shot Are we on takeaways... Match? Oh, okay. On takeaways, you took a shot at Brian Schottenheimer. I did. And I, you also I said it. that you were going to step up your game <gasps> in terms of your clothing uh, choices. Is that going to happen? I'm so glad you reminded me. My Just in case you guys missed it when we were filling in for Brock and Salk on Thursday I mentioned and this is true that the last three times I have been at a Seahawks event I've worn the same exact outfit shoes pants top without meaning to because they're like a week apart I just happen to have that outfit in heavy rotation it's a favorite style so now I know oh I'm so glad you mentioned that Jake good I'm glad Thank I you could, as always glad I could help you out my style guide that's right <laughs> next the UW Huskies have lost to UCLA in the national semifinal that was yesterday UCLA's Rachel Garcia hit a three-run walk-off home run in the 10th to deal the Huskies a 3-0 loss it's a heartbreaking heartbreaking mm-hmm. end for the Huskies the nation's number three seed left 12 runners on base and say what you will about the competition but UCLA's Garcia was dealing. In addition to hitting the winning home run, she threw 178 pitches and struck out 16. It's pretty incredible. It is. Uh, this time of year, watching softball, uh, college softball, is is really fun. Uh, the pitching, the hitting, the the fielding. I mean, just the passion that these teams have. Yeah. It, it's it's a blast to watch. And anybody that got a chance to watch as they were going through the super regionals and and all of that, uh, softball is a great game. And and uh, the UW women softball team has had unparalleled success over the last little bit. And uh, it, they are a great program. And although it's a heartbreaking loss, they were so close to getting themselves back into the championship game. I anticipate they'll be right in the thick of things coming into next so, year as well. So consistently good. They keep producing uh, one of the, the best programs. I got I got into it when I was in college, and that was uh, during Daniel Laurie's ten, tenure. So great time to be watching it then, and they are obviously still dealing. Until then, let's get into some fun stories. Uh, Jeopardy contestant James Halsauer finally lost. I'm glad Curtis isn't hosting tonight because he would be the most upset <laughs> by all of this. After a streak of 32 wins, the professional sports better saw his run end Monday. The question, which city began with the letter A, is home to the country's annual sailboat show. Jake? Yeah, I got no uh, chance. No, nothing? Okay. Nothing. Was answered correctly. Do you see how I didn't answer it? Because yes. I don't know. Was answered correctly by fellow contestant Emma Bosher. Both got it correct, but Bosher bet the most and ultimately finished with the highest winnings. All in all, though, Dagger. he made $2.4 million, second only to all-time winner Ken Jennings. Yeah, I'd say Sucks. you're pretty happy about how this run right? went, right? You can walk away $2.4 million. Yeah, sign me up. I know. I'm fine with that. I, I already know. See, here's the thing. If you're like me, you watch game shows and you yell out the answers kind of right after the fact where it feels like you're saying it at the same time and you're like, oh, I knew that. Absolutely. I could win. No, I would be done. I would be like negative 
I would owe well, them money somehow. And it's so much easier when you don't, it's, the pressure's not on you. Exactly. Right? When like, you aren't worried about it. Yeah, you're not worried about it. You're just sitting on your couch and in that moment on live TV, no. you've got to sit there and, and come up with those answers. I I'll mean, keep $500 and watch. Impressive. Juju Smith Schuster goes to prom. Jake, you found this one. Actually, one of my favorite stories from today. So it's a Chartiers Valley High School student, Anthony Molinaro, slid into Schuster's DMs to tell him he didn't have anyone to go with him to his prom. And Schuster said, yeah, I'll go. He actually made good on it. The pair donned matching green velvet suits. I think you and Brock should do this and dance with the rest of the students. Anthony posted to his Instagram. Thank you at Juju for coming to prom with me. It was honestly one of the best nights of my life. And I have to thank you as well as all of the other great people. Keep being yourself. Stay humble and the city will love you. That's awesome. It's It's pretty cool. Now, the one thing that you forgot to uh, put in there was is that this kid's date dumped him huge mistake i'm like pretty woman a week before prom so this guy is desperate yeah trying to so he goes to juju smith schuster looking for help help me in this situation and he came through juju came through in a massive way you only get to go to prom once unless you're popular absolutely (laughs) yeah unless you're popular going to different schools whatever (laughs) Uh, that's right i you know i didn't get to go to my prom i was you didn't no i was at byu i graduated early and I was trying to compete for the starting job as a freshman, and I didn't get to go back to my high school. Someone prom. listening, if you are a high school senior, what are you still doing up? You have school tomorrow, <laughs> but if you aren't, and you know someone, please let's get let's get Jake Heaps to prom. Jake Heaps to prom, twenty twenty. I don't know how my wife is would my feel. or twenty nineteen. I don't know how my wife it's would happening. feel about that. It's happening. Well, no, I'm hoping that it's going to be like <laughs> another guy that's like my oh, girlfriend. Okay. Dumped, that's why. Yeah, I'm yeah. A, a Juju Smith Schuster. I'm thinking situation. of like a matching tux situation yeah, I got for you. you. I got you covered, man. We'll have a great time. Good, good. Our very last story. Miles Jack. He was made fun of for his candle shop, but I think it's awesome. He's got the following sense: Hawaii, melon, lavender. Pear vanilla, ocean, and baked milk. That was a sports mm. pit favorite because none of us could figure out what that would be. Would baked you buy baked milk. milk candles? Probably not. I oh. would just go out on a limb and well, say. Well, now I know what to get you for Christmas. Probably, probably not baked milk. But, uh, I mean, hats off to my guy, Miles Jack, for, you know, stepping in, uh, stepping out and, and being proud of uh, making his own candles. I like uh, it's it. A, a, kind of a feminine thing and a masculine, uh, you know, sport that he plays in in football and I know that he was getting made fun of heavily mm-hmm. by Leonard Fournette and Jalen Ramsey, but leave my guy alone. Get off my guy's back. Let him do his thing. You let know him, what? Let, let him, him shine. Per- yes, let him pursue his passions. Let him do okay? it. He wants to make candles. That's right. Let Let's him make go. candles. Um, and actually, the proceeds help support uh, the River City Science Academy. It provides them with uh, reading, pizza, uh, snacks, and fun, which I thought was cute. Doing good. Yeah, that is cool. Now, so go now buy your Jalen Ramsey should probably feel really bad about himself you for should. saying that Shame on you. no one should support Miles and his candle business. So I hope it was secretly a ploy to get more people. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like me being like, no one asked Jake to prom, and but, then now people will be flooding the text just line. Just out of the woodwork. All right. Coming up next, we are going to dive more into that Jay Bruce trade. Uh Don't worry, we aren't going to break down how it somehow helps the Mariners because we all know that it's a bit more complicated than that. So we're going to kind of look at what the Mariners are doing, what it potentially means for other veterans. That's next on Seattle Sports at Night. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle.
Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. Don't forget, you can listen to our show via the 710 Sports app, driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. If you don't have it, go download it right now. It's got our latest news podcasts for all of our shows. You can get updates and push notifications for interviews that we have with stars like Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, Scott Service, Mike Hopkins, a couple of the interviews we've had recently. Um, I For some reason, we don't do push notifications when I am on air. I don't know why. It's huh. probably a glitch. Interesting. It's probably like a technicality. I bet weird. it is. We should probably talk to those people about I think, it. I think we should uh, go to the engineering department downstairs as soon as we're done here. I don't know if they'll be here, but I'm going to storm in there and say, excuse me, <laughs> where are the notifications for when I have things to say? <laughs> they'll be like, oh, you do? <laughs> I do. What? Do? I talk the most. Think of one person that talks more than me in the sports pit. Uh, Name one. I can't. That's honestly. what I thought. Well, we have a lot of talking to do. That's not a bad transition. It could be worse. No, it could be worse. It but could be worse, bad. but not let's keep ro- Let's keep rolling. Okay. <laughs> the, the Mariners Sunday made their first, I'd say their first big trade of the regular season, sending veteran first baseman slash designated hitter Jay Bruce plus cash to the Philadelphia Phillies. In exchange, Seattle got 23-year-old minor league infielder. It says infielder slash outfielder. He's primarily a third baseman, Jake Schneider. So this is from... Uh, MLB insider Jeff Passan, who says, Jay Bruce is just the start of a Mariners fire sale. The Mariners are looking to deal almost every veteran on their roster, sources tell ESPN, and have shown a willingness to eat significant money in doing so. In the Bruce trade, Seattle guaranteed Philadelphia 87% of the money owed. Now, Jerry DePoto's been open about the direction the team is going in. This isn't a secret. They're certainly sellers with their eyes on 2021, which means veterans uh, that don't factor into that or that might not factor into that are on the trading block. And, Jake, uh, this makes me think, too, that you know something you mentioned with this being a move that's about building towards that goal. It's not about building to win now. We know that because they kind of got not the losing end of the bargain, but they got they are sending a significant amount of money in the trade and a veteran that can help them produce in the hopes that they can get someone that has some promise that's on the same path as their top prospect, Jared Kelnick, right. uh, both in high A Modesto right now. This is about staying on their path with their goal towards 2020-2021. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, the worst thing that could have happened to Mariners fans and to the Mariners themselves is is having that explosive start at the beginning of the season because expectations started to change. And now you have a team that was fun, was hitting the ball like crazy, uh, was getting wins, uh, and, and now you start to have an expectation of, okay, we know that this is going to crumble at some point, mm-hmm. but... It can't be that bad. You know, maybe this team, if if worse things comes to worse, this is going to be around a 500 ball club, uh, maybe in contention for the playoffs, just the way that the AL uh, shapes up this season. And certainly we have been wrong. Uh, yeah. The Mariners have uh, been pitching poorly. They have, Their defense obviously has been the talk of the town in terms mm-hmm. of how bad it is, uh, how many errors they have. They lead the league. In errors, they lead the, they lead the league in strikeouts. Yep. Uh, there is a lot going on here. They're second that, only to the Orioles in home runs surrendered. Right. Uh, it, there's a lot going on that that makes you scratch your head and and to watch. We knew it was bad, but to, for it to be this bad, uh, it, it it can be hard to watch as a fan sometimes. And 
and to keep into perspective that, hey, this is a year or two out and more likely two years than one year. Mm-hmm. And and so to me, I'm glad to see this Jay Bruce trade get done and that the, that the Mariners are not being cheap about this. It, they're not keeping Jay Bruce or yep. they're just cutting him because they don't want to uh, take on that kind of money from this deal. They're willing to eat the money, ship Jay Bruce out, get a young prospect back in and keep everything in perspective like you pointed out. To me, that's huge moving forward. And if they can do that, if they can get that done with the likes of Edward Encarnacion and D. Gordon and Mike Leake and possibly even Ryan Healy, yeah. I think now you look at this and go, okay, now you're going to give some of your younger players more opportunities. You get you talked about a Braden Bishop. I'd love to see a Jake Fraley come up. He's playing extremely well right now in Double uh, A, and and so there there are some really good young prospects. Justice Sheffield will see out there at some point in time. It, now we're going to get to see these guys get their feet wet a little bit in the in the major leagues and and start moving forward towards that goal. And I guess the big thing that you want to see over this time is your young players start to show improvement, uh, and that's been the whole goal of this is, hey, everything else might look bad, but we're going to look at Yusei Kikuchi. We're going to look at Marco Gonzalez. We're going to look at Daniel Vogelback. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at some of these key pieces, Mitch Hanniger. How J. are those Crawford guys before he was injured. Correct. Yeah. How are those guys progressing? And unfortunately, we can't say that those guys are doing that because Marco Gonzalez and Yusei Kikuchi both have had – horrible starts as of recently they've been up and down but it's a to me a bad trend that they've consistently yeah absolutely Mitch Han- Gonzalez has dropped his last six yeah Mitch Hanniger leads the league in strikeouts and mm-hmm. his batting average is is well below than what we would want it to be and and that's your five tool uh premier that's player star. that's the guy that you've built this whole thing around and so To me, there's not a whole lot of positives that are happening right now. That doesn't mean it that can't change. It could absolutely change heading towards the end of the season. But uh, again, I am encouraged by the fact that the Mariners are heading in this direction. They were able to get something in return for Jay Bruce, and hopefully, they're able to get uh, more. Uh, deals done and that they're able to acquire more interesting prospects. Here's what the Jay Bruce trade is to me. Um, Marie Kondo, (laughs) how she has her, what's hers, Tidying Up on Netflix? Yes, Tidying Up. Very educational program, highly recommend it. It's kind of like Marie Kondo's method, right? Mm. The Mariners didn't go to eBay and sell someone and get a ton back and break even or do better. Um, You know, they didn't take a designer dress and go sell it. They said, thank you, item that I am now giving away. Thank you for what you've done for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, you no longer bring me joy, which is Marie Kondo's (laughs) method. Correct. And, And so, you know, I'm not necessarily getting anything for you, but maybe part of it is that I'm clearing out clutter. And part of it is that I'm, I'm, getting rid of stuff that's distracting me from the young players that I'm looking at. I'm not going to hang on to anyone that might help me in a year or hang on to anyone that might help me now. I'm I'm saying thank you and I'm getting rid of it. And it's not always in a way that helps me get the most, but it's in a way that keeps me on a path to a very focused approach to the future. That's my best analogy I could think of from that. I like but, it. Thank I you. Because like Brooke and I have done 
the Marie Kondo it works. Kind of method, it, and it absolutely does. Yes. It's it's great, and I, I encourage everybody to do it. But part of what makes it tough is is not getting anything back sometimes. Correct, correct. Uh, and I think that's a that's a great analogy for this is that you have to remove the clutter and start focusing on what is your future and really trying to piece that together and mm-hmm. start experimenting. Start experimenting with Daniel Vogelback at first base. What does that look like? Right. And start experimenting with uh, moving Malik Smith into uh, left field and and trying to really evaluate where those guys that you see as potentially a part of your future, where are their best? Where do they perform at their best? Domingo Santana, is he a left? Is he a left fielder? Is he a right fielder? Where should he be ultimately? And and that's where I want to see as this season progresses them start to focus and dial in more on that and what we're what we're hoping is that Edwin Encarnacion and Mike Leak and some of these players can really start showing that they have great value to these other teams. Yes. Jay Bruce, although his batting average was less to be desired, his on-base percentage was really strong and he could absolutely in the Phillies mind be a great uh, bench bat mm-hmm. for them on their uh, road to try and win the division and go to the playoffs. So can Edwin Encarnacion, can Mike Lee, can Ryan Healy, can a D Gordon, can they show tremendous value uh, to other teams as they're making their ways to trying to compete for a championship or a playoff contention? We're hoping and pulling for that so that we can get better prospects in return. We don't have time to to talk about it today right now, but one thing I want to get into and, uh, and maybe the three of us, me, uh, you, Jake, and Curtis, can talk about what happens if it doesn't pay off. Because that's the thing that keeps coming to my mind. You're making a lot of sacrifices. You are tanking in a bad way. Yes. It's, it's fine if you can bite the bullet and you can look ahead and you can say, well, you knew it was going to happen and this is for the long run. But what happens if the prospects that you're betting on... Ugh. Don't work out. It's just a question that keeps coming Uh, back to me. We have to talk about it. Let's talk about it Wednesday because it's something that I just keep thinking about. Um, All right. Well, coming up next, we're going to step away uh, from the diamond and step onto the football field. Jake's answering our four football questions for four down territory. That's next on Seattle Sports at Night. This this is four down territory on Seattle Sports at Night. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I am Seahawks insider Stacey Ross here with quarterback Jake Heaps. It's about that time. We're going to send four football questions Jake's way for four down territory. Let's get into it with question number one. Number one. What do you want to see from OTAs that you have not seen yet? I think the big thing that I want to see from OTAs that I haven't seen yet is the level of fire and edge in, in competition out there in OTA. So far, when we've watched OTAs, I think there's guys that are practicing hard, and I don't want to convey that, that guys are just kind of hanging out, not taking things seriously. That's not it at all. But what I want to see is I want to start to see confidence building within these young players, within these second- and third-year guys, that they feel empowered enough to start chip, uh, you know, chatting at each other a little bit, to start talking trash and, a bit. and having fun. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's one of the things that I want to start seeing move forward because because that was such the lifeblood of this program for so many years. And it doesn't mean it can't change or evolve, but usually when you're seeing that happen, that means that guys are playing at an extremely high level, that guys are really pushing each other to be their best. Iron sharpens iron, and that's something that I want to see continue to evolve as we're going through these OTAs and through training camp. Number Number 
two. Jake, you can pick one player to watch tomorrow at OTAs. Just one? Just one. It's the rules. I'm making them up now. One player. Who is it and why? Gosh, if there's just one player that I could watch tomorrow, I would say that that one player, man, this is a tough one. And if uh, I see you looking I, I at say, one other player. I would say <laughs> the one player I would say is probably Marquise Blair. Marquise okay. Blair to me is a is going to be a huge factor in this team's success on defense. If Marquise Blair can really be that guy next to Bradley McDougald where they can be interchangeable. They both can play strong safety, free safety, and be very comfortable. And Marquise Blair can play fast and not have to sit back there and think. I believe that he is going to have a tremendous impact on this defense and really take this group from being a middle-of-the-road team to being at the end of the middle of the road, to be honest, to bringing them to the forefront back into that top 10 conversation. I believe that he could be that important to this defense. Number three. Question number three. When it comes to predictions for the Seahawks season, what do you hope you're wrong about? What do I hope I'm wrong about? What do you hope you're wrong about? Mm, I, I think the one thing that I hope that I'm wrong about is that you are going to see a lot of production out of Rasheem Green and Jacob Martin. I'm just not a full believer. Okay, like I see. Pete so you're Carroll, saying I don't know if we'll see a lot of it. Correct. I, I Like Pete Carroll is is very positive in terms of where he thinks Rasheem Green and Jacob Martin is uh, and those young guys that can really push the envelope and, and really get after the passer. I don't know if they're able if they're going to be able to make that big jump going into their year two. Uh, and I hope that I'm wrong about that because the Seahawks desperately need Jacob Martin to be a great pass rushing specialist. They need Rasheem Green to be a every down defensive end that can be a great rotational player along with LJ Collier. If those two guys can step up in the way that Pete Carroll is hoping, this team could have a great season in 2019 and get back to what we're accustomed to seeing that this group, this defensive line be so disruptive. And as of right now, I'm just not a 100% buyer into that. Number four. Final question. Time to convert. Get those points on the board before heading to the locker room. Oh, question we're, number we're putting four. Points up on the board. We with absolutely this one. are. Who's the best sports character ever? Yeah, this, ever this in one, any movie or TV show. This one's really hard because there's so I many know. good ones. But if we're just going on the football side of things here, real quick, and then I'm going to give my non-football answers. Is one right off the top? Shane Falco from The Replacements. Uh, Bobby Boucher, uh, oh. from, of course, from yes. the Water Boy. Yep. Uh, Becky Icebox O'Shea from the Little Giants. Oh, what? Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of the Little Ice Giants. Icebox? Are you kidding me? I got she two was reasons. so dominant. Yes. And then you go out there and you go Rocky and Apollo Creed, of course. Ricky Bobby. I mean, greatness. If you ain't first, you're last. And then I would say Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn from Major League. Uh, and last but not least, Airbud. Certainly not least. I mean, come on, Airbud. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Basketball phenom. And then, oh, by the way, not only is he unbelievable at basketball <laughs> he can play football he can play every sport known to man he's a multi-sport athlete truly the first of its kind all right that was four down territory coming up next we will take a look at something that jake pointed out if it's if it's true it's, it's big. big that's that's next on seattle sports at night Live from the Alaska Airline Studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle.
Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I'm your host, Seahawks insider Stacey Ross, joined by quarterback Jake Heaps. Normally, we're joined with Curtis Rogers. Also, actually, you know what, Jake? Normally, we are not joined by Curtis Rogers. <laughs> it's right. It's we're true, not. right? It's like, true. What's going on? I know. Me, you, and Curtis host all three of us together on Wednesday. You and Curtis normally hold it down on Thursday. Correct. Curtis was out sick uh, last week, so I don't actually know. And and. Apparently, C. Rod said it was horrendous that he That's wishes he that no, he wishes no one had to experience what yeah. he's going through right now. So, thoughts and prayers out to you, Curtis. We miss you, buddy. Well, I heard him on Seattle Sports Saturday this past Saturday, and oh. uh, whew, I almost texted into that text line to the Coors Light text line at seven ten seven ten. I almost texted into Seattle Sports Saturday to say, "Well, well, well." Oh, you seem to be pretty fine on a Look Saturday. What we have here interesting, none other interesting. than Curtis himself. Well, that's okay. You guys have Jake and I, and uh, and Jake actually was the one who found this for me. It's uh, it, it's something that I, I'm excited that we have you, Jake, here to talk about it. Um, not just as a former quarterback to explain the concept just a bit more and what we might not understand about it, but um, to also explain how it pertains to Russell Wilson's future in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And with that, here's tonight's Big If True. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did, did he, he say, say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Now, tonight's Big If True comes to us from Ben Baldwin, at Ben B. Baldwin. And Ben wrote uh, as kind of a comment on an NFL article written by Mike Silver. Now, Mike Silver interviewed Russell Wilson. Uh, This is when Wilson talked about wanting to play until he's 45, um, kind of the Seattle's future going forward. So so as a response to that article, and, and Jake, you can explain this a bit more, Ben said, Russell Wilson completed, this is an excerpt, Russell Wilson completed 80% of his play action passes for 18.5 yards per attempt in weeks one and two. And this was his big if true moment. Yes. You don't need to you don't need a run heavy attack to quote set up play action. Jake, explain how play action can be used, what we might not understand about it, and how Russell Wilson's role in the Seahawks offense can or should look. Well, Ben Baldwin is uh part of the Seahawks Twitter side of things that uh is very much against the running attack that Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer have in the sense that they believe that that a guy like Ben Baldwin and and the rest of uh, Seattle Twitterverse believes that the Seahawks should be passing the ball more. And I would say just younger fans, younger meaning younger than like 55, younger fans in general. Yes, uh, it it is the new trend that is what the NFL is turning into, a a pass-centric type of offense. Yeah. And and I think that he makes a really good point here is, is that so many people have turned and looked at the beginning of the season last year of week one and week two and the failure that it was and pointing it to the fact that, oh, they passed the ball too much. And now Pete Carroll famously having this sit down conversation with Brian Schottenheimer. Hey, we need to get to the run. Uh, we need to go to a run heavy style of offense to best protect this team and also to be able to uh, get this offense back on track. Whereas Ben Baldwin is pointing out very clearly that in weeks one and two, as bad as as though the offensive output was, and you had 12 sacks on Russell Wilson those two games, 
uh, and, and ultimately were coming up short, he completed 80% of those deep play action passes, 18.5 yards per attempt. So what that is going to say is, is that maybe their offensive strategy in week one or week two was not right, not because they passed too much, but because of the style in which they were doing it. Mm-hmm. The simple straight drop play uh, uh, drop back pass game was not working for the Seahawks. However, when they went to play action pass, Russell was very effective. And the biggest uh, or or the best comp that I can give in support of Ben Baldwin's tweet here is the Los Angeles Rams. Okay. The Rams pass the ball a lot, and they also have a great running game. However, they are able to have a strong volume of attempts, and a lot of those attempts come from the play-action pass game. And the reason why they're able to be so effective and so potent in that and be able to do it over and over and over again is because they have the threat of the run game from Todd Gurley. It doesn't matter whether you give Todd Gurley 30 attempts or not, or if you give him 15. As long as those 15 are effective attempts, rushing attempts, that allows you to be able to effectively have a great play-action pass game, which is Russell Wilson's strong suit. So I believe moving forward that I'm in the middle of this, the passing war versus staying with the run game. I know that's this, this is a very big debate here, uh, but I believe that there is a meet in the middle, that they have created their offensive identity, and I love it, and I think that they absolutely need to stick with it because it also helps out their defense. It helps out their defense who is not as strong, it's not the Legion of Boom era, to be able to keep them off the field, keep them rested and ready to go. Um, what it does do for you, Stacy, is that uh, getting the ball in Russell Wilson's hands more and still utilizing the play-action pass just gives him more opportunities to do what he does best and and give him more opportunities to get big plays. You're like Mercutio. And Romeo and Juliet, he's in the middle of them. He's yes. like, stop these fighting Correct. families. Come on, can't we just all can't get, we get along? Can't we figure this out? Um, he dies. Yeah, well, if that's what I have to do for the betterment <laughs> of the Seahawks. Then I'll do what I need to do. <laughs> I'm willing to step here's, up. Here's my question. Uh, and, and Jake, I know that you you already kind of did a, a primer on this as part of this conversation. But, but I just forgot to add a little bit of context um, for folks that are looking at uh, Ben's response in isolation. So so Ben's response is in the article, they talk about the heart-to-heart, like Jake said, um, that happened after weeks one and two between Carroll and Schottenheimer, Seahawks offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer. So this is the highlighted part. Um, their subsequent heart-to-heart featured an appeal from Carroll to shift to a run-heavy attack that could set up play action for Wilson and reduce the burden on Seattle's young defense. So like Jake said, the... The tone of the article assumes that, uh, well, they decided that they needed to shift their offense 110% and they were doing no play action and no running before. They were just kind of doing whatever passing game they'd instilled at the time. And uh, they decided that this would be the approach. And and like Jake said, no, <laughs> they were using play action and, and Wilson was using it very effectively. Um, so, So listening to what you've said, for the first portion of this segment, kind of looking back at the quote that Ben Baldwin is responding to, is the correct approach the Seahawks, you would suggest the Seahawks take, one that, how do you how do you incorporate play action more? Is it possible to 
have a does okay, I'm framing this question as I go. Does running the ball 53% of the time keep you from using play action as effectively as you might otherwise? Uh it doesn't keep you away from using it as effectively. Effectively is about efficiency. It's about whether or not the the defense is going to react to the play action pass, okay. is going to suck up to the run action and then be able to get behind the linebackers and and get deep vertical down the field. Where the efficiency or effectiveness, mm-hmm. it does what it does is it gets in the way of giving Russell more opportunities where he is so efficient. And I think that's what Ben Baldwin is pointing to. You don't need to run the ball as heavy as they have. To somehow unlock your ability to use correct. play action. Correct, 53% of the time in order to do so. That is not true. Yeah. If you want to say you want to run the ball to be able to hold, hold, uh, contain the time of possession mm-hmm. in your favor and keep your defense off the field, okay, we sure. can buy that. But not in the sense that it helps keep the play-action pass as effective. Or somehow makes Wilson more efficient Correct. at play-action than he would otherwise Ex- be. Because they're exactly. saying, you ran the ball... Uh, like a combined 60-something yards for your lead back between two games. Actually, it might have been less than that. And he was insanely efficient. Correct. And and so that's... Russell being. Yes, yeah. Russell being as effective. And so that's where you have to evolve as you're as an offense. Okay, we were heavy run. We're going to have a heavy run style of offense. But we can take down our percentage a little bit. We can definitely take down that percentage and get the ball in Russell Wilson's hands more Because like I've said time and time again, he is your tip of your spear. He is the explosive playmaker Mm -hmm. of this offense. You run the ball and you put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands to try and get a chunk play or to score. And so the more times that you can do that for Russell Wilson, the better it's going to be. So it doesn't mean it needs to be spread offense, air raid system. They don't have the personnel to do that, Stacey. And they didn't have the personnel to do that in week one and week two. And I don't and know that, if that's what folks are calling That for. was the folly yeah. of week one and yes, week two. You totally did agree. not have the personnel. Your leading target getter was Brandon Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't Tyler Lockett at that time. And also, you did nothing to really protect your offensive line. Jermaine Effetti, in particular, from the Von Millers, Khalil Max, Bradley Chubbs of the world, and that is Jermaine Effetti. That isn't his strong suit. He played better. But he is not going to be able to hold his own versus the elite pass rushers in this league. Mm-hmm. And that's where play action pass as a whole helps the offensive line be able to uh, pass protect better and give Russell Wilson time to look downfield and survey. And that's what they need to evolve into just a little bit more moving into 2019. It's a fascinating conversation in part because I think too often folks think well you need to do a percentage of this to do to do this well and uh and it again brings it to that conversation you me Curtis and all of us are going to be having all off season which is what does this offense look like and and what balance do they need do they right. have to do exactly what they did last year and i think that all three of us all of these fans um and that potentially that front office uh, and coaching staff themselves would say no, we'd like to be a little more balanced. Yeah, I believe that they do. And and Pete Carroll has, he has not put his foot down and said, nope, we're going to stick to exactly what we're going to do. He knows that there's evolution needed. Uh, Brian Schottenheimer has talked about evolution. It's not that they're going to get away from what they did 
uh, this last year because they had tremendous success. Mm-hmm. But there is evolution needed, and 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 you should expect that with year two under Brian Schottenheimer, Russell Wilson having this offense for another year. They can evolve, and they've got the pieces to do some dynamic things down the field uh, and grow their passing game a little bit more, as well as establishing and maintaining the status quo of what they were able to do, and that's be a nasty, dominant running attack. And so I believe there's a way that you can mix all of that together and have a tremendous offense that is different from everybody else in the league. And that'll do it for us tonight for Seattle Sports at Night. He is Jake Heaps. I am Stacey Rost. We'll be back again with you tomorrow for another Seattle Sports at Night. That's after the Seattle Mariners. Until then, thanks for tuning in to 710 ESPN Seattle.